We are blessed by God to have these assemblies, to worship Him in spirit and in truth, to sing these spiritual songs, pray, give to support this work, take the Lord's Supper, and reason from Scripture. Please be ready in Acts chapter 17. In this series of studies this year, we're looking into the book of Acts, and we are there to discover some of what is revealed about what Christians do. See, the book of Acts not only tells us what people did to become Christians, it tells us what they did after they became Christians. They praised God through worship and through the way they lived. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, preaching the gospel. They did good works. They prayed for strength. They took care of each other. And today, we will consider this written in Acts 17 and verse 2. It says, And Paul went in, and as his custom was, on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And then when you turn a page, you come to Acts 18.11. In Corinth, Paul did the same. He was teaching the Word of God among them. And then further in Acts 20, 27, he was declaring the whole counsel of God. And then in Acts 28, 23, at the end of the book, Paul is trying to convince them about Jesus both from the law of Moses and from the prophets, from the scriptures Paul had and they had. I want to speak today about what it means to reason from the scriptures. And this is another part of our thematic series this year called, It's What Christians Do. Now, not everybody, not every church, not every religious group reasons from scripture. Why do we subscribe to that purpose? This is very simple. I'm going to pose that as a question, and there will be three parts to the answer. I'll spend more time on the first part, and then briefly on part two and part three. But all three parts are the answer to the question, why do we reason from Scripture? Number one. All through the documented history of God's dealings with man, there is a pattern. Very easy to discern. And so the first part of the answer is, there is a pattern we observe in God's dealings with mankind. Let's do a little review. All the way back in Genesis, back in Genesis chapter 2 and into chapter three, uh, 3, here's what you see. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They enjoyed no exemption because they were the first human beings. God spoke to them. God communicated. They heard 
And their obligation was to respect what they heard from God and respond obediently. Now, when Satan came on the scene, you remember what he said. Satan came on the scene and he said, Did God really say that? The thrust of Satan's attack was to get them to reject what God had said, which is rejecting God. But in that relationship between God and Adam and Eve, there were words from God, and those words were to be received by Adam and Eve and complied with. Abraham. As the narrative unfolds about God and Abraham, you come to this phrase, and you come to it more than once. Now the Lord said to Abram. As the nation of Israel was formed in his family from his offspring, Abraham's relationship with God meant hearing, respecting, and following what God said. Let's keep going. As the nation of Israel began and as they traveled, listen to what Moses said. This is Deuteronomy 32, 46 and 47. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I'm warning you today that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. Moses communicated to the people the word of God. Keep going. Samuel's relationship with God. 1 Samuel 3 and verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Do you see how those things connect? Knowing the Lord and hearing the word of the Lord. Keep going. What were the prophets charged to do? The charge given to Jeremiah, for example, in the opening chapter, the Lord said to him, this is Jeremiah 1 verse 7, Whatever I command you, you shall speak. What was important for people to hear from Jeremiah as they lived in their sin? Jeremiah 1 17, Say to them everything that I command you, the Lord said to Jeremiah. Jesus comes, and how does Jesus begin his ministry? Matthew chapter 4 and verse 7, From that time began Jesus to preach, and in verse 23, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then we arrive at this narrative in Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 14 through 21. And Jesus returned in the power to the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. 
and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. If I were pressed to give a brief paraphrase of that, I would say Jesus said to the people in that assembly in the synagogue, I'm opening the word of God. And then he read it, then he applied it, and they spoke well of him who had simply read and applied the word of God. Keep going. When Jesus sent his men out, what was their primary task? Preaching. It says in Matthew 28 in verse 20, they were to tell baptized people to observe all he had commanded. We've been studying recently in the Bible class, Sunday morning and Wednesday night, from the Gospel of John. And we came today to chapter 16. In the book of John, chapters 13 to 16, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all the truth. And so we keep going and we come to Acts chapter 2, and what did the Apostle Peter do on the day of Pentecost? He preached. He quoted scripture and he reasoned with them from what God had said. And those passages we read in the introduction from the book of Acts confirm the history. The apostles reason from Scripture. They told people what God said, what God had done, and what God wanted with the existing record of the prophecies of the Christ in the Old Testament. Now what have we established? God's Word was to be heard, read, and followed from the beginning. The fundamental basis of any person's relationship with God is hearing, respecting, and responding to His Word. And my relationship with God depends on hearing His Word, and your relationship does as well. And when I speak to people about their relationship with God, and when you talk to people about their relationship with God, we must reason with them from the full Scripture account that we have now in the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
It's what Christians do. I cannot presume to speak to people about their relationship with God without the Word of God. I cannot tell people they are guilty of sin apart from what Scripture says about what sin is. I cannot agree to a local church just doing anything. We must reason from and proclaim and defend Scripture. And when we speak to our friends, when we talk to our neighbors and family members who were all wrapped up in modern mega church religion that caters to the flesh and keeps the Bible either in the background or marginalized or ignored, we must reason from the scriptures. It's what Christians do. Part two of the answer. God has warned us not to trust in men to determine what to do, what to do about our relationship with him, but to read his word. This is literally all over the Old Testament and New Testament and everywhere. Some examples. In the book of Psalms, which we expect to be poetry, but embedded in that poetry there are significant warnings about the danger of trusting what men say apart from what God has revealed. In Psalms 118 and verse 8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. In Psalms 146, verse 3, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. I want you to listen to Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an inhabited salt land. One sign of weakness and apostasy in the people of Israel was turning from their trust in God to trusting men. In this passage it is called making flesh your strength. We can have friends and should have friends, good friends. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. But no one in the human family can be trusted like God can be trusted. So, we reason from Scripture rather than placing our trust in men when we need to know what to do about our relationship with God in eternity. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 declares, We walk by faith and not by sight. Walking by faith in God means when we talk to people about faith and when we nourish and build up our own faith, we reason from the Scriptures, not 
any claimed wisdom of men. We reason from the scriptures because God has warned us not to follow the ways of man. And this is what Christians do. The third part of our answer, why do we reason from Scripture? It produces and maintains unity. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to reason from Scripture, specifically Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore... A prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I'm going to ask you for a moment to form a picture in your mind. I want you to imagine this. You're part of a group of people who have decided to come together and form a church. And one of the first questions is, what are we going to teach? And then questions come up about how are we going to worship and what work are we going to undertake? And how are we going to form relationships and, and nurture those relationships? All of that must be decided in some way or the other. And so someone in the group says, well, we have some very smart men here. They have professional background and they have degrees and they know theology and their experience. Let's just turn it all over to them. Let them form a leadership committee. And instead of doing all of this Bible reading and Bible study, we will just let them tell us what to believe and teach and practice and how to grow. Leave it all up to them. Well, first of all, that goes against what we talked about in the first two points. There is a pattern. When God addresses man, there's an expectation that man pay attention and learn and comply. Secondly, we covered all those warnings about trusting men instead of God, but further... Why would you do that when you've got this book? Why would you do that when we have this book that informs faith, assigns duty, supplies all the fundamentals, and urges application, and guides us in a completely and perfectly sufficient way about our relationship with God? Why take everything that's given here and put this book down and assign that task to men. Christians are, it says here, 
eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It is the unity of the Spirit. And the Spirit has revealed God's will in Scripture. So, here at Laurel Heights, in what we believe and teach and practice, in all our efforts to teach others and build ourselves up in the faith, we reason from the Scriptures. And that means we must read Scripture examine ourselves, encourage others to read and follow Scripture. It means issues are tested by Scripture. It means preachers and preaching tested by Scripture. It means attitude measured by Scripture. And again I say, it's what Christians do. Should there be a change that you need to make in the way you're thinking and living, and we can assist you, you are invited to come forward as we stand together to sing.